Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It's November 7th, 2023, and this is episode 113. Now, two weeks ago, we had our last interview. We talked to Greg Mansfield. Uh, our last episode, we talked with him, and I, I promised we'd come back with some audio recordings provided by the Hydroplane and Raceboat Museum. Many thanks goes out to David Williams and Don Mock for letting me look through their archives. And I found a classic here back from the 1990s. And this was actually produced by Taylor Thunder Tales. And I've never heard of this um, this company before. But they presented a autobiography on Bill Cantrell. This was hosted and announced by Dave Taylor. And it looks like it was out of Indiana. Um, so maybe some of you out there know of some other audio recordings that he has done. Uh, because it looked like it was in a line of, of different tales that he uh, was producing to get some interviews out of some history around hydroplane racing. Uh, but it's a quite interesting, interesting autobiography. It's a two-parter. Um, so you listen to the first part this week and the second part next week. And then this week, we talk, he talks about Bill Cantrell and his background. And he had some, uh, some good interviews that was done uh, with him uh, later in his life. And as he reflected back on his early career in um, hydroplane racing, but as well as indie, indie car racing. He was an indie car racer. He was a wrestler. Guy had quite an interesting career in life. Sounds like he uh, he did what he wanted to in life and uh, lived to the ripe age of 87 years old. So um, quite quality of life there. Now, Bill Cantrell, probably not a name that many people really say much about anymore, but he had a really big influence in the sport back um, in the heyday and the golden age, I guess you would say, uh, around Detroit with the Gale, Gale Racing Enterprises. Um, really heavily influenced in, in building boats, racing boats. A lot, just did so much for the sport. Uh, last summer, I actually got a chance to read uh, Pappy. That's uh, what some people called Bill Cantrell, other than Wild Bill. And um, this was a book written by the late Doug Ford. Uh, and you can buy a copy of this now through the Hydroplane and Race Boat Museum. That also goes through uh, his life and his accomplishments in hydroplane racing uh, and some of his past as well. I'll put a link for the book in the bio of this episode, as well as another article I thought was actually quite interesting because in the, this interview, it doesn't really talk about his incident in Seattle. Um, he has an infamous race in Seattle where he actually crashed his boat into a rose garden of uh, some people that were picnicking and, and watching the seafair race. Um, so I'll include that in the bio as well. So if you want some more, more reading uh, about Bill Cantrell and his life, you can see it there. So again, big thanks to Heisman and Raceboat Museum to make this happen, but digitalizing this, this audio recording. So enjoy the first part of the interview in autobiography of Bill Cantrell. Bill Cantrell, an audio biography. I'm your host, Dave Taylor. William Edward Cantrell departed this life on January 22nd, 1996, just nine days before the 88th anniversary of his birth. During the last 20 years of his life, Bill had retired to Madison, Indiana, 
to operate a machine shop with longtime racing friend Graham Heath. During those years, I had numerous opportunities to spend time with Bill at the C&H machine shop. On several of these occasions, Bill reminisced about his colorful career as I listened spellbound with my tape recorder. What you're about to hear are bits and pieces of those conversations about hydroplane racing, about the Indianapolis 500. We open this audio biography with my last public interview of Bill Cantrell, taped on the public address system during the 1993 Madison Regatta. I have with me now at the Madison Regatta pit area, Bill Cantrell, a name that's legendary in unlimited hydroplane racing. Bill raced here many years and was the winner almost 40 years ago, 1954, aboard the Gale 4, and that was really a great day for you, Bill. Well, it was. It was a great day for the Gales. It was about some of the first races that we had ever won. Now, you raced here back in the 1920s aboard Outboards, I guess. What was racing like back then? Well, it was just about like it is now. It wasn't as refined then as it is today. Uh, I had World War I aircraft engines, automotive engines, and I uh, had a little Miller 151 class or racing engine that used in the race cars and in the boats. Madison has uh, not really changed a whole lot, size-wise and everything. Uh, still a very historical town, like it uh, looked probably back in the 20s and 30s when you first came here. Yes, it uh, used to be a place where you have a three-day meet at uh, Mississippi Valley Powerboat Association. So the Louisville bunch would get to meet the Cincinnati bunch here at Madison. There was three or four good boats in Cincinnati, and there was uh, three or four good boats in Louisville. And they'd always meet here and look for a big deal because it was a three-day meet and used to house the boats up here in this tobacco warehouse, which is tore down now. Uh, you were quite the class of the field here at Madison back in the 1930s during the regattas then with uh, several boats, the Why Worry and Fall City Baby, I don't know, the Louisville Kids, several boats that were competing back then. What were the boats that you won with in Madison? Well, in Madison, I had the Lady Marion, I had uh, uh, the Who Cares, and uh, we had the, I had the Why Worry with my boat, and it made like the Who Cares and Why Worry. That's a name of two boats with just a particular name that we put on them for no reason at all. Just just a, kind of a, like a, a namesake or something. But Sponsorship wasn't a big thing back then either, was it? No, it was privately owned boats. If you're wealthy enough to own a race boat, why? And you had no sponsorships at all on it. And the first time that we began to get any sponsorship in this area was at, uh, from the uh, tobacco companies in uh, Gulf Oil. And then you stepped up to the unlimited ranks, driving a Gold Cup boat, I believe, in 1948, the My Sweetie, and that was a sweet boat for you. Yes, that was my favorite boat at the time. At, uh, I finished second at one race, and I finished second another time she was out front. Then, at about the time that you got involved in Gold Cup racing, you also jumped into the big time at Indianapolis. You drove cars and raced in the Indianapolis 500. That had to be a thrill. Well, it was. It, after I got there, it wasn't a thrill that I thought it was, but the, the thought of going to Indianapolis 
and having the, the exotic race cars and all that they had in those days was a big thrill to me because we ran our Model T's and V8's and stuff like that around the dirt tracks here in this part of the country. But going to Indianapolis was the elite, just like going to the harmless race and boat racing. And while you were driving the Indianapolis cars, I believe you were a stuntman in a few movies, right? And uh, please the lady in the big wheel. That, we worked as extras in that, and that was, that was quite a thrill, too. And when, of course, there's a lot of work because those directors, you had to be right on the same spot every time, remember your place and your parts and everything. It was quite a deal. Then with the Gale team, that was a great run for you over the years, winning here in Madison in the Gale 4 in 1954, and you drove the Gale 5 and several other Gale boats through the years, and a lot of folks remember those years. That was a great team to race for. It was. It was a lot of pleasure and a lot of fun because Joe Shaneth, who was the father of the company and all, enjoyed boat racing. And in fact, the whole family did. Jerry come along, one of the twins, later on and drove for him. But it was a great thrill, and I was with him for a long, long time. We had a lot of good races. Was it especially a thrill for you after racing here in the 20s and the 30s to come back and win an unlimited race here aboard the Gale 4? Right, it was. It was a, quite a thrill close to my hometown, which is Louisville, Kentucky. and. Uh, that made me real feel real good, and the Governor's Cup was most important, and we didn't have that many races, and to win, come to a town and win a Governor's Cup race was really something. One of the last races that you drove here was in 1965, and a lot of people remember that spectacular accident in which you got pitched out of the, the Miss Smirnoff here in Madison, and I know that you remember that real well because it brought on another hospital stay. Yes, it did. It was quite an unusual accident where it happened. Colonel Gardner was a little late on starting for the race, and he was over on the bank and just fired up, and we saw him coming out. And I thought it was one of the patrol boats coming, and they fired a one-minute gun, and we were coming on to make the starts. But he'd went on across the course, and he had had a quill shaft busted in his boat, and he couldn't get up on top. So he made a big hole, big swells that going across the river. And we come down on the start and hit that run about 145, 150 miles an hour. And uh, it dumped me out and took a big high leap, and then threw me on the deck of of uh, but one of the Budweiser's in and hit the deck and hit over and throw me in the water. It paralyzed me on my left side for about five months and finally worked that out. But that's just one of the hazards of racing. It's amazing that you're still here. You're 84 now, 85? 85. 85 years old and a lot of people that you raced again against are now gone and uh, not a whole lot of the old timers around but we're really tickled to death to see you here at the 1993 regatta right at marion cooper and all there's a lot of them that have gone super sick in that and a lot of the guys we used to race with and all are gone and some of them took their own way and and got away from boat racing. Some of them are still living, I suppose, but I try to keep in touch with most of them. Well, we're pleased that you came down and touched base with everybody here at the Regatta Pit area in 1993, and we hope to see you many, many more regattas to come. 
Well, I hope to. I don't know. Your father time going to catch up with me one of these days, and I guess I'll have to cash me in. Born in 1908 in West Point, Kentucky, Bill Cantrell, as a young man, moved to Louisville. It was there his racing career began in the late 1920s. It was at one of his earliest races that he earned the nickname Wild Bill. The story has been widely told by sports writers down through the years. Here is the story as Bill recalled it. Super Sigmund gave me that name back in the, back in the uh, late 20s. Well, we were racing outboards, and every Sunday we had a race somewhere, and R.T. Dewitt was promoting down the Shawnee Park down there, uh, 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 land, uh, plot for uh, subdivisions, you know. And he put on a race down there, and I went down there, and then we didn't have steering wheels in the boat. We had a tiller that you steered with the outboard and didn't have a hand throttle. There was a throttle on the motor, and you just fired it wide open, and there way you went. So I fired it up, my hands were grazing, I got up on that stick and laid the nose down when she got going while well, I was wobbling, hopping over swells, so I run over a canoe and run and jumped an anchor cable and went out on the bank and Super Signet said, look at that wild bill go. <laughs> so I've carried that name ever since. There were many facets to Bill Cantrell. During the difficult years of the Depression, even into the 1940s, Bill supplemented his livelihood as Wild Bill Cantrell, professional wrestler. Well, I was uh, wrestling amateur then in, uh, in Kentucky. Amateur wrestling, we have different meets all over, and I was a light heavyweight champion. And a fellow by the name of uh, uh, Jones, Cowboy Jones, who called him himself, come out of Texas up here. And, and he had a bunch of pinball machines all over the country when they first started coming out, and I worked out with him out at the YMCA. He said, why don't you turn professional? And I said, well, I don't know about that. He said, well, you make some money out of it. You know, good money, you get a lot of work. So then we started working out together, and, I, and of course he said, you know, a lot of it shows that sometimes you have to go in there and earn uh, what we call a shooting back then to move a guy out to beat him. If he won't do business, why then you beat him? Or he beats you. And that's how coming to get started wrestling. I was racing cars in. I was wrestling to keep the race folks going. And racing cars too. Bill raced jalopies and open wheel race cars at dirt tracks all over the Midwest in the 1930s and 40s, earning quite a reputation as a hard charger. After a dirt track competitor qualified and raced in the 1947 Indianapolis 500, Bill decided that he too was ready to try out for the greatest spectacle in racing. In 1948, Bill was a 40-year-old rookie at the Brickyard. I really wasn't interested in it too much. I was more fun and, and better competition I thought in, in car racing on dirt. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, Frankhauser, Neil Frankhauser, bought an old Miller car, two-seater, or two-place Miller race car, and he was going to Indianapolis. Well, Miller, you know, he and I beat him every time he'd ever run any place, all over in, in Indiana car racing. He'd come down from Ohio and move to Louisville. 
And I said, well, if he can do it, I can too. And uh, Lou Fagel then had uh, entered two cars. Bill Holland was driving the one, the good car, down at, uh, uh, in Texas down there, and he didn't want to drive it at the speedway. He had another ride. So I called up Lou and he said, yeah. I said, well, I don't belong to any PBA, the A380. I don't belong to him, but I said, I'll have to join them all. He said, I guess they'll accept me. So we come on over to the speedway. So I come on up there and uh, talked to Lou about it and took my driver's test, the whole shebang, in the first year. And uh, ran there. Bill qualified for the 500 twice. In 1948, in the Fagile Twin Coach Special, he was running fifth when the steering failed on lap 162, and he finished 16th. He completed only 95 laps to finish 21st in the Kennedy Tank Special in 1949. He also saw action in the rain-shortened 1950 race, driving in relief of Bayless Leverett. He continued to race cars, but his star dimmed at Indianapolis in the early 1950s. I just didn't, it wasn't a kick in it that I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, well, you enjoyed going fast down there, but I just didn't, uh, I was the first guy to ever run 126 mile an hour through the corner. The only reason I did it was because I was running flat out all the way around the track, qualified a 125 and a half. Yeah. That was it. That's why I didn't have any more power. There was a lot of good guys that I'd been running on, running with dirt and all around all over the country. Uh, but I just, it just, uh, I don't know, it just, it just, it wasn't big enough and it was too big. I've uh, tried it five times, but I only made it twice. In 1953, I ran the last, my last car race, I ran it in the walk. Well, I'll just stick with both races. On side two, we'll recap Bill's Gold Cup career as Bill Cantrell and audio biography continues. Well, that's all we have for this week. Come back next week on the 14th of November as we'll release the part two of the autobiography of Bill Cantrell, hosted by Dave Taylor. In that part two, he's going to talk more about his Gold Cup years and more about his career in hydroplane racing. It's a great listen. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And before then, don't forget to check us out online. We have our own website, at www.roostertailtalk.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and don't forget, we also, on that website, we have a feature where you can sign up for a fan newsletter so you can get early releases on all of our episodes as we release them the night before they go public for everyone else. Well, until next time, hope to see you at the races. (laughs) 